1: perfect home sweet home. December 12th, 2019.
2: From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with
1: Trevor Noah, Ears Edition.
2: Tonight is here to talk about her new music, which has critics and fans raving. Solange knows is here, everybody. <laughs> I'm so excited. Also, on tonight's episode, Santa Claus is on the naughty list why promposals are dangerous and Donald Trump fights with a child. So let's catch up <laughs> on today's headlines. <laughs> let's kick it off with some archaeology news. Every year we learn more about our past as human beings. And a new discovery in Indonesia might mean that our past is much older than we thought.
3: Archaeologists are amazed and excited by the discovery of prehistoric cave art
1: recently found in Indonesia. Cave art being studied by Griffith University academics Adam Brum and Max Orbert could be the oldest ever discovered. It shows this incredible hunting scene which might have spiritual connotations. The big concern now is that the Sulawesi
2: artwork could vanish. It's a real tragedy. This image is, is peeling away off the wall, essentially. It's flaking off. They could be gone within our own lifetime. Uh, so stop touching it. <laughs> this art lasted 44,000 years, and then these guys show up like, oh, no, it's in danger. Look at that. It's just chipping away. Look, when I scratch it, it comes right off. We gotta do something, mate. Bring the sandblaster. <laughs> you know what I really love about discovering ancient art in a cave? is that it shows that cavemen were more creative than we think. And also shows that they didn't give a shit about their security deposit. Yeah, they're just like, screw it. We got no heat, no water. I'm drawing on the walls. (laughs) And I'm always impressed that scientists can date exactly how old these paintings are. You know, it must be like a really crazy chemical analysis. Or they just saw it in the background of one of Bernie Sanders' childhood photos. Could be that, (laughs) could be that. He was seven there, (laughs) but let's move on to high school proms. It's that time of the year when young people work up the courage to get rejected by someone who didn't even know they exist. <laughs> and for one young man, his prom proposal took a really unexpected turn.
3: A Carson City teen regained the full use of his hand, but it came at the expense of another one of his body parts. Doctors detached Aiden Atkins' index toe and used it to recreate a thumb. Aiden says he wasn't able to use the thumb, he sawed off, well, because he couldn't find it. He lost his thumb trying to make his girlfriend an invitation to prom. Aiden says the accident happened so fast that he didn't have time to react. He says he's thankful it wasn't much worse.
4: God has a plan for everything. He, he does it for a reason. There's, there's a story for everybody, and, and I believe that this is my story. Wow. Yo,
2: man, kudos to that guy. That is an amazing story. Like, I'm glad the doctors were able to give him his hand back, and I'm genuinely impressed at his great attitude. Like, he had to replace his thumb with a toe, but he's still like, you know what, life goes on. Yeah, I get a pimple on my forehead, and I'm like, I'm gonna die! Don't look at me! And guys, you gotta admit, science is amazing, because I didn't know doctors could put your toe on your hand and it would work as a finger. Because that basically means that our toes are replacement fingers, right? (laughs) Yeah, you know what it's like? It's like when a shirt comes with extra buttons sewn in. (laughs) That's what God designed. If we lose a finger, we can just be like, oh, well, seven more to go. (laughs) And in some ways, it might even be better having some of your fingers be toes, you know? Like, now you can get a mani-pedi at the same time, just. (laughs) And by the way, what an upgrade for that toe. Can we admit that, yes? (laughs) I bet all the other toes must have thrown at a huge going away party. Just like, did you hear? Middle toes moving up to the big time. He's gonna be a finger. Yeah! Don't forget us when you're holding things, midi Don't forget us. He's like, I'll come back, guys. I'll help you clip your nails and I'll tell you what the inside of a nose looks like. Yay! <laughs> I actually wonder if this works for other parts of the body because I'm fascinated now. Like, can you use a leg as an arm or can you use a knee as a shoulder? I mean, it must be possible to swap parts because Donald Trump uses a vagina as a neck. I mean, (laughs) yeah, it's just like, sometimes I grab me by the pussy. (laughs) All right, and finally, Christmas is just around the corner. And apparently for parents, there's a fun new holiday tradition.
3: Have you ever had your kids pose for pictures on Santa's lap? Smiles all around, right? Didn't think so. Mark Strassman met a photographer in Atlanta who embraces the holly and the not so jolly.
1: This is photographer Jeff Rothman's studio. In here, a white Christmas often turns blue.
3: We have parents come in here hoping their kids will cry. Uh, and, and they leave disappointed if their kids don't.
1: Run, everybody, run, run, run! Rothman was floored parents wanted their kids to cry. He had 7,000 shoots available over six weeks. They sold out in ten minutes.
2: Okay, that is so mean parents are making their babies cry just so that they can get a cool looking picture? You know what I hope? I hope those kids get revenge. I hope in 40 years, they drop their parents off at a nursing home and then take pictures of them crying while the Jamaican nurse is holding them back. Yeah, that's what that should be. Just have their parents on the nurse lap, like just crying, they're like, don't leave me with this lady, I don't even know who she is be like, her name's Karma, bitch. (laughs) And then she'll be like, actually, my name's Gladys, but you're right, your daddy's a little bitch. (laughs) This is a great example of how parents make their kids do things that they say they shouldn't do. Because parents are always like, strangers are dangerous. If you ever feel uncomfortable, run away. The kid's like, I'm uncomfortable now. Shut up, I'm trying to get a photo, Timmy. (laughs) Like this whole practice of sitting on an old man's lap to get presents is weird to me. That's why I'm not gonna let my kids sit on Santa's lap. If my kids want presents, they can do it the old-fashioned way, by fighting to the death on Black Friday. All right, that's it for the headlines. Let's move on to our top story. (laughs) Donald J. Trump, 45th president of the United States, and guy who's just as surprised at what he's doing as you are. With the House Judiciary Committee formally voting on the articles of impeachment, Americans are still divided on whether or not Donald Trump should be impeached. In fact, when asked, 50% of Americans said Trump should be impeached, and the other 50% used the survey as target practice. (laughs) But the one thing, the one thing most people can agree on is that Donald Trump is an asshole, right? That's why some people hate him, and that's why some people love him. You know, they're like, he's breaking all the rules. Like, he's breaking all the rules. <laughs> so let's catch up on the Trump family's latest shenanigans in our new segment, Look at These Assholes. <laughs> the Trump family has a long history of being assholes. It all started in 1822, when Thaddeus Trump parked his horse in a handicap spot. <laughs> but lately, you could say they've been stretching the limits of how big an asshole a person can be. Starting with President Trump himself, who has apparently had nothing better to do than pick fights with children.
5: President Donald Trump is going after a 16-year-old girl on Twitter. Climate change activist Greta Thunberg was named Times' as Person of the Year. She's been known to chastise world leaders for not doing enough. Trump responded to a tweet congratulating Gunberg by saying, quote, so ridiculous, Greta must work on her anger management problem, then go to a good old-fashioned movie with a friend. Chill, Greta, chill. Come
2: on, man. The president of the United States is on Twitter bullying a teenage girl. Just try to imagine any other president doing something like this, huh? Like, imagine FDR doing a fireside chat where he just goes in on Shirley Temple, you know? (laughs) He's like, my fellow Americans, this little girl can't dance for shit. She's got worse moves than I do and my legs don't work. (laughs) Also, also, Donald Trump has no right to tell anybody to chill, all right? He is the least chill human being of all time. Like, if there's anyone you wouldn't want on your meditation app, it's this guy. (laughs) Can you imagine him trying to be like, inhale and exhale? Let the air rush into your lungs like the criminals and rapists swarming across the border, coming to take your jobs and kill your parents. In fact, your parents are already dead. Namaste. But I gotta admit, I gotta admit, to Greta Thunberg's credits, she took it all in her stride because after Trump tweeted her to chill, she changed her Twitter bio to a teenager working on her anger management problem, currently chilling and watching a good old-fashioned movie (laughs) with a friend. And that's, that's phenomenal from her. And I'm not surprised, you know? She's 16, so she's used to handling temper tantrums from immature boys, I get it. (laughs) And it's not just Daddy Trump who's making headlines right now. Because while he's beefing with kids, Asshole Jr. is over here taking shots at even more vulnerable targets.
1: A new report reveals Donald Trump Jr.
0: went on a hunting trip to Mongolia this past summer and killed an endangered sheep.
3: ProPublica reports the trip was supported by both government and Trump Jr. got special treatment.
0: He reportedly shot the endangered Argali sheep at night using a laser sight.
2: Who is this guy? (laughs) He needed to use a laser sight at night to take down a sheep? (laughs) This is an animal so peaceful, literally just thinking about them makes us fall asleep. (laughs) And he's coming at them like it's a raid on Bin Laden. It's a sheep! (laughs) An animal so vulnerable it can't go outside without wearing a sweater. It's a sheep! (laughs) You killed a sheep. You basically went hunting in a nursery rhyme. Who are you? (laughs) And also what kind of asshole wants to kill an endangered species? Like most of us don't even wanna take the last nacho out of the bowl, and Don Jr's out here putting panda bears in chocos. Go to sleep, go to sleep. (laughs) Now look, it's obviously not great karma for little Bo Creep to be killing off a species. (laughs) So you would think maybe the Trumps could make things up to the universe with their family charity, except this family is so cartoonishly villainous. They even do charity like assholes.
3: President Trump will be paying up to $2 million to charities to satisfy his settlement of a New York state lawsuit over his misuse of charitable funds at the Trump Foundation. The president was accused of illegally using money from the Trump Foundation to help his 2016 campaign. Also as a part of that settlement, the president was required to acknowledge his misuse of the funds, his children to undergo training about misusing charity funds, and they must report to the attorney general if they ever create a new charity.
2: Yeah, you heard that right. The president had to pay $2 million because he stole money from his own charity. Yeah, he used charity money to make political donations, to settle lawsuits involving his businesses, and he even bought a painting of himself to hang at his own resort. Yeah. (laughs) Like if Trump weren't rich, he'd be one of those people who pretend that they're dying just to start a GoFundMe, you know? (laughs) He'd be like, hey guys, the doctor says I've got Ebola berculitis in my (laughs) Lorax. And the only thing that can make me better is to own a giant picture of my own dumb face. (laughs) Now, as you heard, Trump doesn't just have to pay $2 million. The court also ordered his three older kids to attend a training session on how to not steal from a charity. (laughs) Yeah, and you might be wondering what that training would even look like, but wonder no more, because we got our hands on the video. And now, the New York State Guide to Avoiding Charity Abuse. Don't steal from a f-ing charity, asshole. This has been the New York State Guide to Avoiding Charity Abuse. So informative. We'll be right back.
0: <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything.
1: at and
2: We're always looking at studies to see how they can improve our lives. And lately, there have been several new studies looking at the workplace. So to help us figure out what these studies mean, we turn to our senior studies correspondent, Dulce Sloan, everybody. Wow, hello. Dulce, um, thank you so much for joining us and uh, helping us break down these workplace studies.
5: Well, I'm perfect for the job because I'm a model employee.
2: You're a model employee?
5: I'm glad we agree.
2: All right, let's get into it. Um, The first study says that half of workers have quit a job because of a bad boss. What do you think about that?
5: I think these are some soft-ass people. (laughs) You're gonna quit a job because you don't like your boss? I make my boss quit because of me. When I worked at Best Buy, my boss left because I was Airbnb in his office on weekends. <laughs> and who are these people anyway?
2: Well, uh, the study actually says that one of the highest rates of people quitting is in Miami.
5: Well, of course. It's either to quit a job in Miami. There's beaches and titties on every corner. <laughs> that city's not built for working, it's built for twerking, okay? <laughs> I dare you to try that shit in New York. <laughs> You don't like your boss yelling at you? Well, guess what, now your 10 roommates are gonna cuss your ass out, because you can't make rent.
2: Dulce, you have 10 roommates?
5: Man, please, I'm on TV, I got six.
2: <laughs> I, I guess that's better. All right, let's, let's move on. Let's move on to this, uh, this next workplace study. It's really inspiring. Mm-hmm. It says that 90% of employees come into the office even when they have
5: a cold or the flu. And I'm, I'm impressed by these people. And I hate these people. <laughs> Because they come into the work and they make the rest of us sick. And the worst part is they act like they're not sick. But you know you're sick, Jeff, okay? <laughs> you went through a box of tissues in an hour, so if you weren't blowing your nose, then I need to see your browser history. No.
2: But, 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 Dulce, but, Dulce, to be fair, I, I think people are coming in because they want to help get work done.
5: Oh, please. Who are these heroes who think the office can't survive without them? Keep your coughing ass at home, Karen. Ain't nobody looking for you. <laughs> Ain't nobody putting your ass in a milk carton, okay? Stay home, you sick bastard.
1: Wow,
2: so much anger. I wasn't expecting, all right, let's just, let's just move on to this final study. Um, you can't get mad at this one. Uh, this study has found that daydreaming, daydreaming at work can actually make you better at your job.
5: Yeah, Trevor, I'm not surprised by this. I daydream all the time. That's why I'm so good at my job.
2: Well, yeah, but technically, Dulce, those aren't daydreams. I saw you. You just sleep in the break room for, like, three hours.
5: Listen, that's because I was having a crazy dream. Okay, see, what happened was, right, Idris Elba shows up in my house and tells me he wants to be my baby daddy. <laughs> the problem was he had an Idris Elba top, but a unicorn bottom, right? And I'm fine with that, because a unicorn Idris is better than no Idris at all. Right? But then my ex-boyfriend Lamar shows up and he says I have to kill Idris or the world's gonna blow up. Now, usually Lamar's full of shit, but I knew he was telling the truth because he was also my grandma, right? So I get a knife and I go at Unicorn Idris and I'm about to stab him, but then he leans in to give me the most seductive kiss. And then? And then my boss woke me up! (laughs) Now we both don't know the end of Negro. Listen... (laughs) So, if you excuse me, I'm going to go back into the break room. And I'm going to find out if I get that Idris unicorn dick. Don't say slow, everybody. We'll be right back. Let me know how it goes.
2: Don't say good luck.
0: <clears> t <throat> connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. at and
2: is a Grammy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and visual artist who just released the director's cut of the performance art film for her album, When I Get Home. Please welcome Solange Knowles. <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank
5: you. Nice
2: it. it is such an honor to have you on the show. Um, not just because I'm a big fan of your music, but I'm a fan of how, like, just how you've created your music. You know, like, you you you're one of the few artists where it feels like you make what you want to make, just because you want to make it. It's a riskier choice. It takes uh, you know, more time. Like, what do you, what where do you think you got that from? In a world where so many people go, what's commercial? What sells the best? You went, I'm just gonna make amazing music, and it actually has turned into a commercial hit as well.
4: Thank you. Um... I think so much of my work is about world making. I think as a young girl, I felt this sense of absence of home. You know, I started actually dancing for Destiny's Child when I was 13. And so a lot of my life, the early years of my life was spent um, in tour buses and venues and airports and even paying attention to sort of the architectural language in these spaces. These spaces became my home. So a lot of my work is really about creating universes. You know, I'm trying to create cities on stage i'm trying to leave behind worlds for young black girls really to discover 10 and 20 years from now and um, i think a lot of the courage just comes from seeing and, and creating work that i wanted to see when i was a young girl
2: it's interesting that you say your music has been touched by the life that you've lived and where you've lived it because you know this album in particular when i get home it's beautiful when you listen to it, but I, I truly appreciate that you've created the short film that goes with it, because it's very rare that you get a vis- visual representation of what your mind couldn't even comprehend. Yeah. It, it feels like it's architecture, whilst at the same time being about choreography. It feels like it's modern art, whilst at the same time being about like Houston chopped and screwed. <laughs> it, it's 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 a combination of all musics in a space. I mean, you see like imagery of cowboys, but at the same time in like a fine art space. You know, a Jibuki who loves your music here at the show, he described it to Love me as... Him. He said it's... He said it feels to him like chopped and screwed meets MoMA.
4: Oh, okay. That's what it feels like. <laughs> okay, I'll take that.
2: Like, how how did you choose that style, and, and and like, why did you choose to signify this album in that way?
4: Um, so, when I was about 10 years old, I went to this church camp, and there was a woman who came at the last day of the church camp, and she came over and started praying over all of these young girls, and they started hollering, and hooting and speaking in tongues and shouting and I was looking at her like don't come over here with all of that you know like (laughs) stay away from me with that shit um but she came over to me and I sort of surrendered to this supernatural and so from that period on I really actually developed a fear of power and feeling powerless and not Feeling control of my body. Wow. And so going back home to Houston was really me reclaiming that. And the black cowboys and and their stories and reclaiming their stories. I did a, a fashion campaign, and I remember it was supposed to be about Americana and American Western culture. And it was all white men. And I was like, that don't look like the cowboys that I grew up seeing in Houston, right, Texas. Right. Like my uncles and the thousands of men who get on horses from Houston to Louisiana and mm-hmm. do trail rides. And and saying through this film that our black stories are art. Our everyday notions are art. The way we move and the way we speak. And, and just elevating the experience. And um, I don't know. I just feel like when I think about creating these landscapes that I want to leave behind and reimagining what the Coliseum could look like in 20 years with these bodies and these faces and right. these stories and these celebrations, that's what I'm trying to achieve. I,
2: I think you're achieving it more than just trying to Thank achieve you. it. Really you are. <laughs> Thank you. Because. Because I think that is a big part of what resonates with so many people about this album, both in the visual format and if you're just listening to it, is that it is unashamedly black and it feels very specific, but at the same time, it has broad appeal. You know, a lot of the time people think, oh, if it's if it's an album made from a black point of view by a black person about black people, then nobody else can listen. But I mean, you've got accolades from Rolling Stone, Pitchfork, The New Yorker, Time, and so many more who've come and said, this is one of the best albums of the year. I mean, they said that about your previous album as well, but but it feels like it is connected with so many people because it's it's authentic. Was Houston a specific choice in that? Was choosing, like, your oh, home...
4: absolutely.
2: ...part of what you think makes absolutely. it so real?
4: Absolutely. Um, I think growing up in Houston and coming back to Houston, I was able to find groundedness in sort of all of the things that I might have thought were you know, mundane or that I didn't pay attention to and coming back and appreciating the architecture, appreciating, which never lost, uh, never left me, screw culture, the right. innovation between chapas and our, the way that we candy paint our cars, like, all of that is innovation at the highest level of me. Um, so being able to just celebrate that and pay homage to all of those things that made me who I am today, it, it meant a lot to me.
2: One thing you, you are proud, are really proud to speak about being a part of who you are today is a black woman. Yes. And in your music, it is beautiful how you express that, how you speak with and for and about black women. That is something that resonates with so many black women in a, in a completely new way. It was intentional, and you really drive it as a purpose in the album. Why did you feel that you needed to do it that explicitly? You know, some people be like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bury the message. Like, no, here it's like, no, this is truly me celebrating the black woman. Why?
4: I grew up in a hair salon. My mom owned a hair salon. I grew up with every type of black woman, from lawyers to doctors to teachers to the everyday black woman to the side chick to you know (laughs) you name it and these women were my aunties they were my teachers they were the reflections of everything that I wanted to be as a woman these women cared for me they nurtured me they unapologetically were themselves um and they were my heroes and so I was really fortunate to be raised by a tribe of beautiful, strong, phenomenal women, and everything that I do, I try to center myself and my purpose in the things that I needed to see and be fed as a young girl. And so all of my work really, you know, I'm making for 10, 15 years from now, and the way that Augusta Savage as a, a, a sculptor, me being able to see that work and say, hey, I can do that too, Um, or even the way that Khalees sort of, you know, really opened my eyes in her artistry Mm -hmm. 10, 15 years later. Now you have girls on Instagram, on the Internet, paying homage when maybe they didn't fully understand at the time. Right. Um, But, you know, I am a black woman, so the work will always be through the lens of a black woman. I think we the most popping... popping (laughs) ones.
2: You definitely... Have created another masterpiece. It's Thank beautiful you. to listen. The the best way I, I can describe it is like just sitting with it. It's beautiful because it feels like it is how we think as human beings. You know, it's it's a it's an exploration of the mind that just goes continuously. You know how we we have multiple thoughts at the same time. That's how the music feels. It feels like you're thinking about many different things that all come into one coherent space at the same time when someone listens to the album, like how would you? what do you want them to take from it? Because you, you have so many messages and you have so many themes, but I, I know a lot of the time artists go like, I, I just want you to focus on this or this is something I wish more people would pay attention to. Is there one specific theme that you think to yourself, hey, when you're listening to this album, I just want you to feel this message that I'm trying to get to. I want, to, I want you to feel this feeling that I'm trying to get to you.
5: Yeah,
4: I think the feeling for me is the sense of home and being able to express and create that sentiment of home wherever you are. Um, For me, that involved me actually going back to the origin, going back to the beginning, answering those questions of power and fear and energy and spirituality. But I really want people to hear the sort of experience from start to beginning of me discovering that sense of self through home and lineage.
2: It's a beautiful album.
4: Thank Thank you you so so much for being on the show. You've done an amazing job. The director's
2: cut of the performance art films for her album, When I Get Home, is available now on digital platforms. Solange Knowles, everybody.
1: The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge.